Okay, let's get going. Hey, my name is Jack Skeels, and I've got some things that I want you to see. Welcome to the Art of Management podcast, or welcome back. This is the podcast where I help you see and understand the art of being an amazing manager. Background for me, if you don't know me already, I've been a researcher, professor, coach, award-winning entrepreneur, and over the last decade, I've had the privilege of coaching thousands of people, probably just like you. In this episode, we're going to explore an idea about managing that you'll find very useful, especially if I judge from the comments and feedback we've gotten over the years from our clients. It's called Theory X and Theory Y, and it's two different ways to manage. Now, I want you to remember back, I don't know how long ago it was that you listened to the the episode on scientific management and Taylorism, but here we are 120 years later, and is it still around? Do people still do things that way? I think so. Here's a scene from a client of mine. I'm going to reenact it. And I'm going to play Angela, who's a client services person, who's got a customer, a bad customer, a challenging customer, and Josh, one of the people who works and does the work for that client, who works for her in that way as well. So here we go. Angela walks out of her account review meeting. She was meeting with the, uh, the CFO, and she feels like a failure now. Her projects, according to the CFO, are all out of control, over by 10, 15, 20% per week. Angela wonders, how is it, as hard as I try, I just can't get people to stick to the plan. She walks over to Josh, who's at his desk. He's got his headphones on, of course, engrossed in his work. He's one of the biggest offenders of this overage problem she's trying to deal with but he's also one of the most talented people on their team. Even worse, she and Josh started on the same day several years ago, and they've always referred jokingly to each other as sort of classmates in the asylum. But lately, things have been more strained between them. The laughs, not as common, few and far between. Hey, Josh, do you have a few minutes to talk about the project for our our client, Smart Clean? Josh looks up. Um, oh, okay, sure. He says that and sets his headphones down. She gets right to the point. I know you're working hard all the time, but I just don't understand why you keep taking longer than planned on this account. Josh just blinks. So she continues. Like last week, the revisions to the design. It was supposed to be six hours, and you came in at eight And that's like 33% over. How could that be? Josh looks down at the desk and he thinks about how to answer. I I don't know, really. I I tried, but that's how long it took. Angela jumps in. I know how long it took. I just had the CFO reminding me of that one and 10 other pieces of work in which you, I I mean, we went over budget. They stare at each other for a second, and Angela continues, I'm just trying to figure out what I need to do for you to come in on budget, for everyone to come in on budget. Josh looks down at the desk. 
feeling a little bit ashamed, actually, and says, I don't know, Angela, I'm sorry. I, I'm not sure I know what's going on. I'm doing the best I can. Angela looks over, looks away, walks away. Can you hear Friedrich Taylor in this? Can you hear scientific management? Can you hear an attitude? An attitude that Angela has towards Josh? Do you think Josh isn't trying? Do you think Josh isn't, doesn't want to work? But can you hear that attitude? We'll come back to this after the break. Welcome back. Hey, so there's a really important thing in that vignette, that little story that I just told, and I want you to get that dynamic because it's very, very important to understanding the next piece. That Angela was treating Josh as if he was the problem. Have you ever heard that before? And what does that remind you of? That reminds you, hopefully, of what we talked about Taylorism and scientific management. That the people were the, were the limit they were the cause of the factory not running better. This intrinsic management orientation. If you had to put a label on it, what would we call it? It doesn't sound like all that good of managing, but it's a type of managing. Does managing make a difference? How you manage? Does your attitude about managing make a difference? Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, in 1950 or so, there were two factories in the central part of the U.S., and they were both run using, as all factories were largely back then, using a basic Taylorism model. People, can the people go fast enough to keep up with the machines? Can they operate the machines quickly enough? The interesting thing about the experiment is the two factories were different in the results they created. One factory, Factory A, actually was really good at producing those machines. I think they were washing machines, if you will, durable goods. And Factory B was not as good. They were slower, and they didn't make as good of quality, and their people were less happy. They seemed less motivated and everything. And the popular explanation for this in Taylorism is the workers in Factory B just weren't motivated enough, as in they weren't good enough of employees. And you remember what Taylorism said. Taylorism was essentially you're supposed to coerce the worker, push the worker to do better, right? And so this researcher went out and said, let's try something really interesting. Let's see if it's not the worker, but it's the manager. And let's measure what the difference between the managers are. So he measured managerial attitudes. I'll tell you more about this in a little while. But he measured managerial attitudes and then he swapped, and the, the managerial attitudes were different between the two factories. And then they swapped, and you can't do this kind of thing anymore these days, but they swapped all the managers from one factory to the other. So factory A, the good factory, they took all the good managers, all the managers, and moved them to factory B, and vice versa. And what happened? What happened 
is that factory B became a better factory. And people became happier and more productive. And they did better quality work with the factory A managers in charge. So what happened? What was the difference about the way that they managed? Did they drive those people harder? What was different about their beliefs? Beliefs about the, the workers and the employees. How were they different? How were the manager A managers special? Because whatever they were doing made better workers. Managers were the difference, not workers. Back in a sec. back. Hey, so two sets of managers with different beliefs make a difference in terms of how well workers work. Pretty interesting. The researcher, by the way, was a guy named Rensis Likert. You probably probably recognize the name from the Likert scale, which is the scale that's used in survey work, which says like, I strongly disagree, or I disagree, or I'm neutral, or I agree, or I strongly agree. Likert actually constructed that, that statistical survey technique for this very research that he did on these two factories. Um, the, the work was amazing work, but apparently the scale was even more profoundly of a profoundly great tool in the world of survey, survey research and statistics. But anyways, Rensis Likert found out something very, very important, that the underlying beliefs about workers constituted a difference that now is called theory X versus theory Y. And that these two perspectives actually have profound impact on how workers work, on their productivity, the quality and the, the happiness of the worker. And theory X, as you might guess, was, was really based on the assumptions and implications of, of Taylorism, of scientific managers, that in general, that workers refuse to work unless either rewarded or punished or whatever. In theory, why was this opposing view? That the workers actually embrace and welcome the opportunity to work. And specifically, if we go back and look at the two opposing perspectives, in theory X, it's this idea that their workers have to be controlled or threatened to deliver whatever is needed and supervised at every single step and controls and measurements need to be put in place and then threatened in some way because they don't have any amb ambition or incentive to actually do the work. Theory Y is almost the exact opposite. It really believes, it says that managers, managers of theory Y managers, when they, they believe that workers seek and accept the responsibility and they're motivated to fulfill the goals of the workplace and they perform better when they're actually trusted and given freedom of choice and that the workers actually enjoy work and consider it a natural part of their life and, and love to solve problems on their own, solve problems imaginatively. Now, back then, even though these two ideas existed, many people had thought, well, that's probably true for something like, hey, if you work at a university as a professor, 
Of course you don't want someone breathing down your neck, but you need to do that for factory workers. What Rensis Likert showed is that for factory workers, it's true also. And there are only, it turns out there are only a few situations where Theory X behavior makes any sense at all. Places like the battlefield and, run, and dealing with a burning building. But largely, Theory Y is the best way to manage. That perspective, that attitude towards workers, is the best way to manage. But people default to Theory X all the time. We'll talk more about that in a later episode, why we're drawn to some of the bad characteristics, because in fact, they cause a lot of the problems inside of organizations. If we look at our little vignette story with Angela and Josh, the, CEO, the CFO that was meeting with Angela had that Theory X mindset. Why are the numbers not coming down the way they should be? Who's to blame? What person is to blame? and pass that down to Angela, who then passed it on to Josh. Yeah. What is it that we need to change in the way we have those conversations to actually have a theory why conversation? Back in a sec. Okay, let me do a quick recap. It's a very simple idea, Theory X versus Theory Y. Theory X is basically workers can't be trusted. And Theory Y is actually workers must be trusted. And this is a, this is a very simple idea and implementing it can be very, very hard to do because it goes against some of our fundamental things and, and fundamental ideas or preconceptions about what managing looks like. Being in charge means that you care more than they do, but trusting them means believing that they care as much as you do. And it also involves an ownership shift from who owns, but this idea from it, it's not mine to own, but it's ours to own. And so let me play back that vignette for you, but I'm going to do it now and give Angela a, a theory why perspective that she has to deal with the CFO, but she knows that she needs to deal with Josh differently because she wants Josh to be like a factory A worker, a factory A worker that's really productive, does great quality and is very happy doing it, not turn him into a factory B worker. Here we go. Angela walks out of her account review meeting with the CFO, feeling like she needs some better answers. She didn't like that experience, and she didn't know what to say. Her projects, of course, have been running over. She wonders, what is it that I'm not seeing? What is it that we're not seeing in the way that we're working? Now, that's instead of, before she said, how is it that as hard as I try, I can't get people to stick to the plan. So very different. What is it that I'm not seeing in the way that we work? Now she walks up to Josh. He's at his desk with headphones on, as you remember. Hey Josh, do you have a few minutes to talk about the project for our client Smart Clean? I could really use your help to understand some things. Now, that was a lot better of a response in a way 
I could use your help, right? Now, Josh has been to this rodeo before with Angela, and all of a sudden she's changed to theory why I doubt he believes it. So he says, um, okay, sure, and sets his headphones down, looks up at her. Angela goes on and says, are you aware that we're going over budget on almost everything we do for this client? Josh leans back and thinks and says, well, the, you know, the work shouldn't be that hard. We do, we do the same stuff pretty easily for other clients, but yeah, it's always harder for this client for some reason. Am I the only one that's going over? Angela nods and replies, no, no, uh, no, you're not. It, you do more work for them than everyone else, so it just sort of makes you stick out, but pretty much everyone seems to go over by at least a little. Josh starts thinking about this and says, yeah, you know, when, when I have a lot of their work on my plate, it gets pretty bad. I mean, they change their mind a lot, and, and reworking all that stuff piles up, and I end up working late, and we miss some deadlines. And then that's when I'm more likely to make mistakes, and that just feeds the problem. Josh sort of sighs, remembering like how late he was up last night working on their stuff. Angela thinks about it and says, well, you know, that's great feedback, Josh. I didn't realize that they may, may have been changing their minds that much. Is, is anyone tracking? Are we tracking how many of these changes get made? And maybe we need to work with these guys a little bit differently. What do you think? I'm going to stop the conversation there. But if you can hear, and I hope you can hear, the collaborative way that that conversation is happening. They are talking about a problem that they're both trying to solve. Josh isn't trying to go over. Josh is trying to deliver great work. Josh is struggling to get things done. That's what the numbers indicated. Not that Josh is doing something wrong, but something was going wrong in the machine. Very important distinction. And we look at jo Angela's posture. She entered the conversation assuming that Josh was trying to do well and trusting him. She treated him as if he was competent and capable and that she could use his inputs and, and incorporate them in solving the problem. That first story ended with two unhappy people. Angela was unhappy and Josh was unhappy. And by the way, the CFO was unhappy as well. Angela didn't even have a good answer still, except Josh, one of our best employees, is somehow a horrible employee in the situation. The second version, the Theory X version, ended quite differently. Most importantly, how did Josh feel at the end of this conversation, this very collaborative theory, theory Y conversation? Very, very different. We're going to learn more detail about this in a later episode on empowerment and all the factors that go into empowerment. But the sort of other side, the mirror side of Theory Y manager, the worker side, is that Josh and his feelings about himself and how he is included and believed in and trusted actually profoundly affects how well the organization operates. Now, quick break, but while we're doing that, while we're listening to this little jingle, what happened to the good factory with the bad managers? You want to guess? See you in a sec.
So welcome back. Hey, I love these little um, research factoids. So at the break, I asked you, what happened to the good factory when it got the bad managers? What happened to all those good workers? Did the factory get worse? Well, the really interesting thing about this is that factory A continued to produce good products at a high rate, high quality, except that worker attitudes went down. The interesting thing is workers are resilient to bad managing once they've had good managing. They just get unhappy, but they believe in themselves, having had that, that trust instilled in them and knowing how to work together as a good group. They actually continue to do that. The factory got a little bit worse because attitude, you know, bad attitude doesn't help at all. But essentially, the good workers, the workers who had been trusted and treated to a theory Y environment, were able to sort of reject the bad managing. Pretty cool stuff, huh? So let's roll up on this. We see this, by the, by the way, we see that effect in our clients as well, is that when they bring in, when they hire a new manager who doesn't get how to do this stuff, people sort of spit that manager back out or they have to get their stuff together and the like. Um, so let's roll this up. We actually, um, we actually did a version and have it available um, and do it with some of our clients of Likert's original survey. He did a survey, I think it was 26 different factors, attitudes that managers have about workers and behaviors around workers. You know, one of the questions will be, um, to what, do, to what extent do, do managers incorporate um, the perspectives of workers in solutioning, right? Just like Angela did. Angela incorporated Josh's perspective in her for trying to figure out a solution. And of course, it used the famous Likert scale to judge that sort of thing. Very, very interesting. I can tell you some cool thing about it is that in general, in every organization we've surveyed, managers always rate how well managers do better than the workers do. Even really good organizations, managers overestimate how inclusive they are, how trusting they are, etc. It gets really bad, of course, when there are huge gaps, but it's very interesting that managers don't see how, how poorly, in a sense, they do, and even if they're not doing terribly poorly. Now, Angela, in our shift, learned to question the Taylorism assumptions she, she enrolled Josh in analyzing the situation. She said, I don't know what's wrong. Do you know what's wrong? Discovering new information. We'll talk more about this in some later episodes as, as well. She changed the problem from being Josh to being what is the problem, okay? Or treating, and Josh quickly identified the problem is the way we're doing this with this client. That's the machine, right? The process. She actually started out on a path of finding out what needs to change, and she created a healthier interaction, literally in three sentences. She changed the outcome of Josh's attitude towards his work and his productivity and quality. How much does, does this shift matter? In future episodes, I'll tell you more detail about why, but I can tell you, you can see a 30% change in the organization's key metrics productivity, quality, and attitude just by making these key shifts, these key attitudinal shifts. You can think of the degree to which you do theory X managing. If you think of it on a continuum, 
If you're 100% theory Y, then you're optimized in terms of how well your workers can work. And the degree to which you do theory X managing is yet another management tax taken away from that potential productivity and effectiveness of your organization. All right, here are a couple questions. What I'd like you to think about. Can you see this and hear this sort of theory X attitude towards workers, towards people, team members, whatever you want to call them, inside of the way managers talk about what's going on? That essentially that their attitude is that the workers don't understand and they don't see much. And they're not really a good source of information for problem solving. Think about that one. And the other one I want you to think about is the degree to which there's theory X managing going on. And we talk about motivation. Who needs more motivation to go into work each day? The theory X manager who believes that the worker is unmotivated or the worker? The worker who goes into work every day thinking that the theory X manager thinks that they don't care and that they need to be prodded and pushed and threatened. Who has more motivation to show up? Who has, who's exhibiting more motivation by showing up every day given that situation? All right, there we go. Hopefully a good episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. One of my favorite topics. Let's close with, if you're liking this, let us know. Let a few people know. Post something on social media. Better managing makes everyone happier, makes for better organizations. Now, you can find my episode notes um, on our cleverly named website, theartof.management. That's theartof, all one word, .management, no .com on the end of it. Also, we've now launched, we have supporting links on an, and hopefully an ongoing conversation with you on LinkedIn and what's called a showcase page. I'm going to try and give you the URL here, but you can also find it on our website. It's linkedin.com slash showcases, all one word, slash the art of management, all one word. That's linkedin.com slash showcases slash the art of management, all one word. And until we meet again, I wish you the gift of seeing and managing better. Take care.